come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Adrian. Deb went to the nurse's office. She wasn't feeling very well, but yeah. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. She'll be fine. And this week, we continued the saga that is Fear Street, and we moved on to part two, 1978. So yeah, let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I did enjoy it very much. Um, it, it was really hard for me to not immediately go straight into part three, but I wanted to be able to focus on this movie, so I didn't. In fact, I wanted to watch it a second time, but this morning when my alarm went off, sleepy morning Donna said no. But yes, I enjoyed it very much. Anything that's got Max from Stranger Things in it, thumbs up. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. I immediately watched the third one. I just, I want so many more of these movies. I love it. I love it. Like, I have one single complaint, and that is the movie's kind of long. Like, all three of them are kind of long. And I don't mean, like, I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, this movie's long. I mean, I finished watching the movie, and I looked at the clock, and I thought, what the fuck? But, um, man, it's so good. Yeah, I like this as well, man. It it This series is hitting my my slasher beats really hard, and, I, and I'm here. I am here for this. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I I liked it. It is interesting that you bring up the length because it, yeah, it doesn't ever feel like it's as long as it is. Because I know that first one was like almost two hours. This one was almost two hours. And it's just, it's it's really good. Now, for those of you that don't know what this is about and, and haven't watched it, our good, good buddies at IMDb, they are going to let you know that this is a, oh Lord, sorry, I had not. I just now recently read this. Usually I try to read these ahead of time. Yeah. Shady Side, 1978. School's out for summer, and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another Shady Sider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a gruesome fight for survival. So I guess they were going for something a little bit more action packed and interesting than they usually do. But like somehow it doesn't really, I don't know, man. Are you talking about this movie? Are you talking about Friday the 13th? Are you talking about Sleepaway Camp? Fuck you, IMDb writers. <laughs> I mean, I guess, okay, you got us, so you don't, you have to be cute, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. It's like, like, I, I don't feel like they're trying at that point. Like, it's just, it's just the, the, the Fear Street name. It's the thumbnail with Sadie Sink. Like, they don't, they, they know what they need to get you and you're not going to read the blurb. All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. So, like I was saying, this definitely hits that slasher vibe. I mean, and both of them do. But man, even the music score had some Friday the Thirteenth like notes in it. Like, oh yeah, I was I was here for it. The first one definitely hit the tone it was looking for. This one nailed it. This one nailed that feeling of you know of, of Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I thought it was. Um, I have a I have a question for y'all. 
um, that I thought about proposing as our poll question, but then I decided it would not provoke quite enough discussion, which was, was there ever a point when you thought Ziggy was the sister who died? No. Yes. Okay. Because in the trailer, well, okay, so technically they both die, so there's that. But also in the trailer, they do specifically show Ziggy being stabbed. Mm. And, and like falling as if dead. Um, also, I, I watched this with my partner and we had a lot of conversation back and forth throughout the entire movie of which one is she? Because we don't know what Ziggy is a nickname for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back and forth a few times on it. Also because um, Britta, I know that's not her name, looks more like Jillian Jacobs. Jillian Jacobs looks more like... Um, Cindy than she does Ziggy. I uh, I won't say there was never a moment of doubt. There were moments of doubt, but I was pretty sure that uh, Sadie Sink was going to be uh, C. Berman just because the fact that uh, we had a C. Berman and a Cindy just seemed like way too obvious. So, Well, they also had um, C. Berman following a lot of rules. Which is what we see Cindy doing, That's not Ziggy. True. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even uh, think about it that way because I just it was like, yeah, no, it's going to be based on the actress playing and when it's supposed to be said. I was like, okay, yeah, it's going to be. I know you just said her name, Britta. <laughs> Britta's going to be Ziggy. Uh, Julie Jacobs. I forgot <laughs> it. I I don't know why I can't hold her name in my head. <clears throat> um. Also, her dog is named Major Tom, and so I was like, I can't decide if Ziggy would name her dog Major Tom because she loves David Bowie, or if Cindy would name her her dog Major Tom as a send up to her sister. Yeah, I can see, I can see that. I find myself not having as like much to say about this movie because I just liked it so much. We're into spoiler territory, right? Oh yeah, we're definitely in spoiler territory. Oh, wait, that's a spoiler for the third movie. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> um, I really, really enjoyed the relationship between Ziggy and um, Nick Good. It gave... Oh my god, that was... Go ahead. I was trying to figure out Britta. Who the fuck is Britta? <laughs> I did not recognize her as Jillian Jacobs from Community. <laughs> I just went and looked her... Okay, okay. I just went and looked her up and went, oh, Brit, oh, Britta. <laughs> they were trying really hard to make her look mousy and not Britta. hot. Yeah. <laughs> I am so sorry for the interruption. That was just my brain suddenly going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked the relationship between Ziggy and Nick. Uh, I thought it was really cute to start with. And also I really like it makes it makes Nick make a lot more sense in the first movie because we have this guy who's like, this isn't really happening. Is it like, he never seems to quite believe them or really quite disbelieve them in the first movie. And I think that fits because in this one in, in 1978, you see that he's there for the whole thing, but he never actually witnesses any of the supernatural elements. And so it's easy for him to say, nah, Tommy Slater just went crazy. Also, I just want to give a shout out to Tommy Slater for giving me heavy Murphy from the 100 vibes throughout this entire thing. Yes. 
And he yeah. was so sweet. Like, I was legitimately really bummed about every, like, about him going, about him being the killer because he was so sweet. That's one thing with that the casting has been pitch perfect. Like, I mean, really. I, and because you're talking about Tommy and just that sweetness and like, it just, it came across so naturally. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lot of words. It wasn't a lot. It was just how he was like, that was just very good acting. Everybody has done phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like before he even says a word, it's just like that boy gives good hugs. Mm-hmm. He will make, he will vastly improve your day by giving you a hug. Yep. 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 I also really enjoyed um, the costume. I mean, a lot was made out of the polo shirt, and I, I actually kind of wish they had been a little more subtle with it. But just um, Cindy stood out from everybody with that white polo shirt. Really stupid decision for summer camp, by the way, just saying. Yeah. Um, and then you compare her to her sister, who isn't just in a tank top and shorts, but always looks a little bit dirty. You know, um, it was some really good costuming decisions in this in this well they were subtle you know what i mean like it wasn't over the top everyone wasn't wearing the bell bottoms i mean you had the one girl in the bell bottoms but it was real subtle like you knew where you were but it wasn't in your face yeah exactly so um i did find myself getting a little confused Normally, I get confused with blondes, but this time I was getting confused with brunette, brunettes. There was Sheila, who was long, dark, straight hair. And then there was the counselor who slept with Nick's brother, who was a long, dark haired girl. Yeah. I don't remember her Joan? name. Was that Joan with the drugs? Yeah. Yeah. The one that is making a joint. <laughs> In the middle of lunch with all the kids around. <laughs> 70s, man. I know. It just cracked me up. I was like, okay, Joan, we're doing we're doing this. All right. <laughs> but she got her man. Mm-hmm. She did. She got yeah. her man. Even if he wasn't ass about it. Well, he's a sunny veiler. So um boy, I'm feeling the short episode vibes here. I did notice with this movie. And I don't know, and it wasn't until almost it was done that uh, most of the shady side kids were minorities. Did anyone else see that? There was like one that was a Sunnyvale, but yeah, the majority of them, like, there's a couple of shots, like when they're getting ready for the color war, it's like, I see you. I I didn't notice that, but I'm going to say that's a good thing because a lot of people want to really, really make an issue of it. I, I appreciate that it was subtle enough. It didn't stand out. Yeah, no, they didn't beat you over the head with it. It was more just a couple of shots with all the kids. I was just kind of just like, huh, okay, all right. So I did think what was interesting than most of, mo- unlike uh, the Friday the 13th, they killed kids in this one. Like, they killed children. But anytime they killed any of the younger looking ones it was off screen oh yeah yeah they would pull away to something else and i was like that's a really good choice because while horror movies have made me feel okay about watching teenagers die on screen i don't actually want to watch anybody below the age of like honestly 15 yeah no <laughs> like, i mean sadie sink there 
Like, like, like Ziggy is the lowest end of who I want to be, who I want to see murdered. I, I, I agree with Adrian that I like that they did do the pull away, but you knew what happened, but you don't see that in Friday the 13th film. So it was a surprise because, you know, it, it made it more dangerous, if you will. And the stakes a little bit higher that mm-hmm. they're actually doing that. So it's like, oh, oh, okay. I was going to see if we wanted to go early into Donna's medical corner. We can definitely go early into Donna's medical corner. I am okay. uh, I am fine with that. Are we going to talk right. about um, Joan Jett's broken leg? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to talk about blonde Joan Jett's broken leg. What was her name? Was it Allie? Was it Allie? I don't remember. Alice? Alice? Alice. Yeah. Go ask go Alice. Ask Alice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we see you. And we're okay with it. Um, so, so here's the thing. I, I am not convinced if your friend has bones sticking out of their skin that you should just shove it back in there. I'm, I'm not completely convinced that's the best strategy. Is there like a risk for infection? Super. Enormous. Yeah. Massive risk for infection. So I shouldn't just put my dirty fingers on my friend's bone? No, you should definitely not put your dirty fingers on your friend's bone. Okay. Well, isn't that, so I'm going to show my, my, my sports card here. Isn't that basically with Alex Smith, when he broke his leg, he, he's a football player. He broke his leg really bad. And there's some like little bits of field got in the wound and there was a massive infection. Like you want to see some gnarly pictures, look that up because like, yeah, whew. It was, I think I have seen pictures of that and I don't ever want to see them again. Yeah. Like I said, if you want to see them, they are there. Like he, he's very, he's been very transparent about it, but yeah. I'm trying to decide. I, I had a patient when I was in vet school, I had a patient who was a calf and mom stepped on the calf's leg and just shattered her leg. Um, the problem was that a piece of bone actually went out, scooped up some of the dirt and manure and went back in. We saved that calf, but there was some amazing medical techniques I learned from that. Now, I'm looking at it from the point of view of um, that break happened in your backyard, and you can just put them in your car and take them to seek medical help, uh, in which case I would prefer you just leave alone. Just leave alone. Bring it to me as is. So maybe if you're stuck in a cave, maybe it's better to do a little more work. I don't know. But my main complaint is there's no fucking way she's hopping around on that leg 30 minutes later. No, <laughs> no bad movie. Bad, bad. That girl didn't hop in anywhere for a while there. When she put the cob on there, I was like, if this were like a, like a, a fracture or like a hairline break or something, I could see this working, but I feel like if your bone is actually to the point where it's out of you and you put it back in, like it's already been broken in half. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. there's nothing connecting these bones together anymore. So every step is just going to make the bone go like, Vroom. it's true. This is the technical term for that. I think now you're, you're dead on. There are one, there are physics involved. There's bones, there's levers, there's fulcrums. Okay. Walking is a physics problem. And if you don't have an intact bone, then when those muscles pull, it's just going to collapse. 
But that brings us to the second part of this problem, which is that our muscles are actually kind of stretched. They're pulled out a little bit taut on our bones. So when that bone breaks, the muscles contract and it, it won't easily go back where it belongs. Okay. So it's, it's being pulled out of place by your own muscles. So it's definitely not going back where it was supposed to be. Um, it's hard to set a bone, you guys. It's hard. It's hard to do. I had no idea it was that difficult. And now I'm horrified. Mm -hmm. You clearly have not heard my 10 minute long story about the time I broke. I no, I have not. Um, I know it's a 10 minute long story because I did it as a Toastmasters presentation one time. (laughs) So that's how I know it's, it's 10 minutes long. (laughs) I will, I will tell you the story. And I don't think we want to spend 10 minutes of podcast time. We might have 10 minutes of podcast time. <laughs> we'll put it as bonus content at the end. Content. But yeah, it is hard to set a bone. But I actually have a part two of Donna's medical corner. Yes. Do we want to save it for later or just go straight into it? Let's go go for it. Yeah. All right. Here's here's the thing. CPR is great. CPR is a great life-saving technique if you have stopped breathing because of, say, a heart attack or because you drowned. If you've actually got holes punched in your heart, CPR ain't doing shit. She doesn't, though. Uh, Zicky doesn't have any holes in her heart. He stabbed her down here, below below the boobs. She never, like, he had bad aim, and he, I, 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 I watched. Um, he never hit her in the sternum area. I, I'm actually going, because Netflix is awesome, I'm actually going to pull the movie up, because I remember one going right into the chest. I mean, I guess, but it we like even if it went into the chest, we don't actually know if he stabbed her in the heart, right? Like Cindy is fucked because he just axed her in the chest. Yep. Many times. Oh my god, her perfect boyfriend broke her heart. <gasps> oh cut it right in half. Damn it, fair oh street. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just give me a second. Okay, here she is. No, I think I went too far back. Okay, it's hard to say. But at any rate, uh, CPR isn't going to be a big help with trauma. Um, there is there is damage done to the integrity of her thorax area. Um, CPR is not going to help her. I don't like the use of thorax in reference to humans. Thank you. We, we that, have one. I'm sorry. That's a bug word. No. Yeah, we our thorax is nope. from our shoulders to our <laughs> diaphragm. It's Disagree. That's a torso, Donna. <laughs> no, our torso goes down to the crotch. Torso. We don't have a thorax. We are not bugs. Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree to disagree. I don't know. <laughs> that was a great place to stop that movie. Okay, let me just shut that tab. So there, I am done with medical. Yeah, I had the same thought though with the CPR again that we had discussed last episode with the last film because I was like, we're doing CPR again. I mean, I know CPR is great and does a lot of awesome stuff, but. I don't think that either one of these movies is particularly interested in the actual realities of how death works. No, they're not. And that's fine. It's just, you know, but it does make for uh, an interesting topic to be like, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it goes with the whole bread maker discussion. (laughs) It goes with that. Um, I don't think Donna has seen this movie. You probably have, but did the red moss remind you of the, the infection in cabin fever. Yes. Which is also cab, you know, not 
exactly summer camp, but cabin in the woods type horror movie. Yeah. I saw oh, that. Oh man, I was- Cabin Fever. Such a good movie. Upsetting. It's very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Cabin Fever, we might lose Donna and Debbie on just with... It's not, like, I I remember watching Cabin Fever and being like, can I keep looking at the screen right? Like, it's an endurance test. Yeah. I, I don't often look away unless there's needles involved, but Cabin Fever almost <sighs> got me a few times, especially the shaving scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That lives rent-free in my brain, and I think of it every time I shave literally any part of my body it is probably the number one reason that i bought a fucking electric razor and that was his goal was I that think, yes that I was think- that was he has said eli roth has said in many interviews like no with that scene in cabin fever that was my goal be like p- biggest push for feminine for feminism ever women no longer need to shave here you go i'm giving you an excuse yeah also, for some reason, the pancakes kid, I think about, like, probably daily. But yeah, uh, the uh, the red moss, I was I noticed that. I was like, oh, oh, that uh, that looks like, looks like that infection. That's awesome. I really like that they went back to the red moss because to me, it stood out as, in fact, I think I described it as something that came from a craft store because it just looked so odd. And then have the red moss be really kind of featured in the second movie, I, I, I appreciated that. I appreciated the consistency and I appreciated that they're acknowledging that it's weird. Well, and I realized that that moss is what um, Sam is crawling through after the car accidents, mm-hmm. which I hadn't realized at the time. I just thought it was like detritus from trees and stuff in the forest, but it is literally that moss. It's also things from the first one that really played out that you see again in this one, um the fly like right before they become possessed there's a fly like you saw it you know to me it was a little bit more subtle in that first one but this one you actually like okay nope there's the fly and then you see the whole ugh. i did mm. notice it on ryan torres there's yeah. there's that moment when um i've already forgotten her name um the the drew barrymore yeah uh, maya maya hawk maya hawk yeah thank you um yeah when when maya calls him and he kind of turns back towards her there's very clearly a fly that lands on his neck and kind of crawls up and he doesn't shoo it away which seemed weird something that big lands on me on defo shooing it away but anyway yes i like the fly business well especially here in oklahoma it's i mean we're in summer so you don't you have flies like they're around and it's just like it's such a subtle like little like oh like just creep factor like it's an everyday thing and so for them to use that i i like that like that's that's really clever yes i agree um also it's good because it shows you that nurse lane is not under this effect i have to really concentrate on nurse lane you know how we had the brita discussion earlier we used to watch this show called my boys on tbs and she played this character named pj and anytime she shows up it's like hey there's pj (laughs) (laughs) so i have to like really like super concentrate like oh yeah nurse lane that's her character's name okay she's still she's not pj so i did enjoy i i am enjoying also seeing that with both these films so far is characters that we have seen just real briefly in the first film, like we see them again, like I know she's one of them, like that's who, and I 
hate that I forgot her cheerleader friend's name drops the kids off to stay with was nurse lane. So I like, I like that. Did not notice that. Yeah. Um, also we get to learn more about Ruby and that's really neat. Like I love that. Like I kept thinking about 13 ghosts with this movie because 13 ghosts, the new one, the remake, um, it gives you all of these interesting ghosts and I'm like, I want to see their movie. Like, sure, this movie's fine and cool, but I want to see, th- like, I, all of the ghosts, I want to have a movie. And I feel the same way with this. Every time we get a glimpse of one of the killers, I'm like, I want to, like, let's do that. that. That's next, right? Right? We're going to get that. The kid um, in the doll mask and the and the baseball bat? Yeah. I don't know about that one. Yeah, all of them. They're so great. And, like, um. I think that probably if we do get any, we're going to have to get Ruby Lane first because she has a face. She's not wearing a mask. Yeah. And, and, and time marches on. So that woman will age. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know why, but I, I, you reminded me of this interview uh, with James Marsters, which, which he was talking about playing Spike again. And, and he was just kind of like, no, nah, man, I'm too old to play Spike. Um but I conflicted, co- contrasted that with David Boreanaz, who was like, "Yeah, I just don't want to do that again." And and not Fucking saying David Boreanaz. No, he's he's. I want him to be nice, and I just don't think he is. Um, but yeah, no comment about how I'm too old to play somebody who was turned into a vampire at 22, 25. I don't remember. But yeah, the, the point being that James Marsters was like, no, nah, man, I got wrinkles. And David Boreanaz, I don't want to. <laughs> One of these people has put a lot of thought into it. Like, dude, you got old too. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, um, got, off, got off track there. Um, um, I appreciate that Tommy didn't kill any Sunny Veilers. Hmm. Oh. Um, yeah. If you recall, like, he even, like, because we we have to assume that all of the sunny veilers that ran out of that shady side uh base ran right past him mm-hmm. and he let them all go just to kill the shady siders now it's that's pretty obviously a witch's curse sorry yeah. yeah um and i think the only time that he does kill sunny veilers or sunny veiler is in the first movie when peter is standing literally between him and Sam. So that was more of a get out of my way than a mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only time that they kill like that they, they kill people were when they were standing between like when they when the undead versions was when they were standing between them and their quarry. Mm-hmm. Or trying to stop them, like the nurse in um in the hospital, she's probably like, You can't go back there, you can't go back there. What the fuck are you wearing? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're right with it being a curse and them in the way. That's why he didn't kill Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Something else this movie made me think of is there's a common piece of writing advice when you're writing dialogue where they tell you people don't use each other's names that often, you know, because because you want to write your dialogue as well, Kinsey, blah, 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 blah. And Kinsey, no. And yes, Kinsey. And so that's something they, they often tell you. But this movie had so many good-looking blonde guys that I was constantly, constantly going to IMDb going, now, who is that? And it would have been really handy if they would have used each other's names more at the beginning. 
So I could have kind of gotten them straight. I, I found myself going, which good looking blonde guy was this now? That's it. That's my. I can't help but feel like that was intentional for, for Sunny Valers. You could be right. You could be right. I, I do feel like they, they're putting some effort into making Sunnyvale be, um, you know, nice, clean cut, white Americana and shady side being a little more uh, diverse and less. Um, I, 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 my, my vocabulary suddenly failed me. Less clean cut, white Americana. Less Norman Rockwell. Yeah. Less there Norman Rockwell and probably more actually America. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk about the director for a minute. Because, like, she's really good. She's really, really good. Her, like, transitions and her cuts are all just, like... Like, I don't generally think about the director of a movie very often at all. But there were moments in all of these where I would literally just, like, stopped and was like, Shit, that was a really good choice that was made right there. So, so like, yeah, just... I don't know, man. A+. plus. I enjoy that. I, like, she's great. I recently rewatched. um Hannah Gadsby's Douglas. And for about a week after I've watched Hannah Gadsby and Douglas, the phrase, that was a choice, makes me crack up. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Hannah Gadsby's Douglas, very good. Also, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette is very good, but you just have to be in um, the right mood for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So just go ahead and watch Douglas and then watch Nanette when you're in the right mood. <laughs> but like all of these movies, you can tell that like, it's like they're made with such care and respect for the genre. And I appreciate that because like, I don't know, it's really easy for people to make a horror movie without actually respecting the genre. Like, I I feel like you see that a lot with like, there was a Friday the 13th remake with Jared Padalecki. And it was so bad that I forgot I watched it. Hmm. Like I ended up buying the DVD because I saw that it was a Friday the 13th remake and it had Jared Padalecki in it. And I was like, Oh, neat. And I got really excited and I brought it home and, and, and uh, my partner was like, why did you do that? You hate that movie. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you've, you've seen that and you hated it. And I was like, no, I didn't. And, and he was like, no, you, you definitely have. And he reminded me of the conversation I'd had in which I talked about very specific scenes in this movie, but even rewatching it, I was like, I had no memory of it at all. Like it was so bad that my brain was just like, dump that information. We don't need any of it. But he remembered me saying these things and it's not like he's talking to other people about horror movies or other people at all. So, so it had to be me, but, um, and, and, and like, it, it's just like, it just didn't respect the genre at all. Like these movies where you have these characters that just suck. Like they just, they're vapid and they're hollow and they're empty and they only exist so that you can be happy when they die. Like I, I hate them so much. And this movie makes you like give a dick about everybody before they die. Mm. So there's stakes. Like so many horror movies are lacking the stakes of anything. Um. So I did find it interesting and Billy and I had to pause and did a deep dive of uh, the Stephen King books. So in 78, he had four books out one of them was a Bachman book so the fact that they're like oh well I'm a big <laughs> like Ziggy I could see but then just having Nick kind of be that same level is like wait I I I think yeah okay no they totally could be 
because Carrie the movie came out in 1976. Right, but they didn't mention the movie. They said the book. That was the whole thing. That was that was what was cracking me up was that if they'd been like, oh, you've seen Carrie, like, like Ziggy, it fit in her wheelhouse, but then to have have them both talk about Stephen King in 78 like Stephen King of today. That was more where I was going with it. That was what I thought was... The Stand came out in 78, and I, that was something I wanted to look up because... Um, it was October of 78. What's his name says the next one is supposed to be good. And so yeah. I meant to look up what's the next one. The next one is The Stand, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, it was just because it was like, book-wise, not, not movie. It was like, Carrie was 72, Salem's Lot 75, Rage 77... Shining 77, then October of 78 is the stand. So it was more, like I said, I it made me chuckle mm-hmm. at how they were talking about King like it was King of Today. That was yeah more. Yeah, in, in 78, in 78, Stephen King's name was still smaller than the title of the book. Yeah. So that's that's my judgment of how you can tell an author has really made it is their name is bigger than the title of the book. All right. Well, do we have anything else? Because I think we're kind of... Yeah, I think we can wrap up. Yeah. It's a good movie, you guys. Yeah, it was. That's always, I can tell with all of, with us, if it is something that we really like, it always seems to be like short. <laughs> that it's like, no, we just like it. This just, we've, we've, we had stuff we liked. Well, I think our other episode on Fear Street was longer than this, but a lot of what we would say about this one we said in that one that's true that is true so kind of anything good we said about like the structure and everything of that one apply it over here too oh yeah we've got like the the way that they're doing the narrative structure i think is really good because we have it like 1994 is the present day setting and then we slide into 1978 with their with our like storyteller being ziggy and then we're going into 1666 with um kind of quantum leap dina style stuff here quantum yep yeah i i like i like what they're doing you know i like each part being broken up and and we're learning more as it goes on like i like that we are essentially all dina and i like i like that i mm-hmm. i think that's that's really it's really cool what they're doing yep i agree all right do we have anything else before we jump into our in-game stuff. No. I don't know anything. Like, I know when 90s music came out more than I know when 70s music came out. So I'm not quite as on with the... This song wasn't out yet. Um, but everything seemed fine. Yeah. So that nothing jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, so I still wonder... Well, I know the answer now, just based on... Because I watched the third movie. Um but I still find the anachronistic decisions interesting and I want to know how purposeful they were. I would almost say it was probably pretty, just not, I I haven't, you know, just, just from the first two films, everything seems very deliberate and in a choice. And I like that. Like it's not, nothing seems to be done willy nilly. Yeah. That's why it feels like it needs to be purposeful because so much of this movie seems, these movies seem to be made with care or at least knowledge that what they're doing is wrong. Like the bread slicer. Um, 
probably also the broken like I feel like the broken leg is so bad for the gore factor, mm-hmm. um, which is I guess pretty common in horror movies actually. Do you know what I thought of as soon as we saw that bone sticking out? What? Adrian and I had a conversation recently about how you can tell the difference between bones sticking out of your skin and rocks. I thought about that too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, look, definitely not a rock. (laughs) Yeah, I think just so bread slicer and now the bone. I think that is I think it's purposeful. And I think it is just what you would have seen in the films that they are emulating at that time in those you know, late 90s, early 2000s slashers, you would have seen that bread slicer. The bone bit, you totally would have seen that in a Friday the 13th film. So I think, yeah, I think it's deliberate. All right. All right. So with our, as always, because we're, since we're going through this, we don't have a rule. It's to be decided because we're still learning how to survive. Uh, Adrian, you have our quote. Mm-hmm. And our quote was saying people don't chop up their friends which accurate if you um feel the need to chop up your friends or you have a friend who is chopping up their friends uh they probably need some help yeah for sure i think in all cases that's that's aberrant behavior that should be paid attention to i concur i agree and i have our poll question which is what to kind of keep in with the time frame of this film what 60s slash 70s song would be playing during your uh, chase scene if you were the final person? I have a particular favorite that I think uh, works for me and would work great in the context of a slightly funny horror movie. And that is Shout by the Isley Brothers, um, which starts with, you know, you make me want to shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout. It's a very it's, lively song. It is. And I'm sitting here thinking in my uh, in my brain, I'm playing it as like, this is you running. And basically you're timing your things you're doing to the shout that make uh-huh. noise. So like, like you're throwing things down when they go shout, like something that's going to keep you alive longer. Yep. So yeah, actually, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that one, Donna. Um, I've talked a lot on this podcast about how I'm pretty sure I wouldn't live very long in a horror movie. Um, they usually kill genre savvy people pretty quickly. Um, and the skeptics pretty quickly. And, and that's me. So I think that my song foretells the doom of the scene. And it is, uh, another one bites the dust by queen. That is a good one. So this film reminded me of my song choice and how much I freaking love it. And it is like just ridiculous, but at the same time, pretty fantastic. And it is Neil Diamond's brother loves traveling salvation show. They played at the beginning. And if you went to the movies two years ago, you heard that song all during once upon a time in Hollywood. Cause that is the song playing in that during the trailer. And I went through a phase where I listened to that one quite a bit at work. And so, yeah, um, I think that one would be utterly delightful and hilarious. And it, uh, it starts out slow and then it builds. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Do we have anything else? I am really anxious to watch part three. It took all my willpower not to watch it yet. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate your support. You can uh, find us on social media. We're, on Twitter at 
Beyond Cabin. We're also at Instagram at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Same thing. We're on Facebook and uh, have a webpage, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram as at Callista77. Donna, where can the peoples find you? I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Dragon Goblin. Uh, Goblin does not have the I in it. Junkyard Poet. I could not remember my handle for a moment. You can find me on Twitter at Junkyard Poet. All right. And as always, thank you so much to our editor, Billy. Appreciate what you do and making us sound fantastic. Thank you, Billy. All right. And we will see you guys uh, when we conclude the Fear Street saga. And don't read the Latin. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.